Warning, the following content may contain elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, kitties. This is y'all's Julie John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Slasher Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Slasher Radio. It is your boy Bones, and I do not have an owl slash Bobby Spencer with me, but I do have Mr. Demonic Taint, IR Chris, and Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? What up? Hello. Hello, hello. Um, Bobby is not with us this week, but we do have a game-packed episode, and I had to bring my gamers out, man. I mean, it, it don't get more gamer than this, the two of you guys. True. It's fair. I, I like to, to deem Chris as like the encyclopedia of gaming. I've been around since the Atari 2600. Back in my day, we had eight colors, one joystick, and one button. <laughs> eight colors, one joystick, one button. Dude, that's the most simplistic form I've ever heard it put out. That is very simplistic, but very true. So you've seen it all, been through it all with gaming. And uh, this week we have Matt Shacha from... Gun Media, Friday the Thirteenth, Layers of Fear Two, formerly of Ubisoft. We're all, I, Chris. I don't know. I know me and Ghost. We play Friday the Thirteenth a lot. Mm-hmm. Chris, you obviously you back the game. You know, I know all that. You got your Savini card. What like? How often do you play Friday nowadays? Nowadays, my circle of friends kind of fell out of it, mostly just because of our rotation tends tends to be what the next gaming season so we we've gone back to it every now and then but my main gaming circle kind of fell out of it so uh-huh. there's that but you know i still have a huge love for the game i mean i went to pack south dressed up as jason if you've seen my profile po- mm-hmm. photos and whatnot in fact the guy you interviewed i met at pack south and he had to get a photo with me just because if he didn't his co-workers would yell at him <laughs> <laughs> You are a badass shit. Oh, um, our, I mean, obviously everybody knows we kind of, when we record these and when they drop are two completely different stories. So, Chris, you, we just dropped an episode today, which last week we did Night of the Demons. Go ahead and get it out of the way, Chris. I, I, I know you, go ahead. Let him have it, please. All I'm just saying, me and Melly had a wonderful time, but it seemed like Stiltskin over here just, you know, <laughs> couldn't stay engaged through the whole thing. Leave me alone, dude. I had like three hours and change of sleep. I was running uh, on fumes. I'm sorry we couldn't find a Prince Charming to help you to get, you know, get through the rest of that sleeping beauty, but don't worry. <laughs> the, next watch, the next watch party will find a better one for you. You son of a bitch. I was actually going to do uh, a watch party for Friday the 13th tonight, but with me being hungover and uh, the amount of editing I still had to do that didn't get done. Until late, I just ran out of time to do it. And I was like, man, if I fucking do, I'm not going to fall asleep. There's no way I can let that happen again. But Chris is going to be there busting my balls every step but away. Would you expect anything the ambient check. Did you say ambient checks? Oh, my God. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. 
Yes, as noted, I fell asleep during a watch party. And, you know, it's fucked up, too. Like, I was, every, you were the one who put me onto that, Chris, when you tagged me in that tweet on Twitter. And I was so excited to do one, and I just haven't had the time to do one. And I finally was like, yes, all right, let's go. And I fell asleep for it. Man, the, the, the fact that you have now the ability to watch with the audience, and then also if you can find a way to hook us up where, you know, people like me and Ghost can chat through right. to, the, to, your, to your Twitch stream. Have a look Dude, we it. could. We could do like a mystery science theater son of a bitch thing. Oh, you know, we could just we could we could even do just a hate watch. Just find like the most god awful horror films on Rubber. the planet <laughs> and, just, and just fist them to death. Fist them to death. You know, I I have looked into that because I was going to say, you know, since you guys are going to be on the episode this week, that it would be cool if the three of us could do the watch party thing and all. So I looked into it briefly. I didn't get very far. And uh, yeah, that would be really fuck cool. It is something I looked into. But how cool would it be to have a four-way watch party with Rob and we do rubber and just shit on everything that that he loves about it? Uh, the whole time. I'm down 100%. I have only really watched video reviews of rubber, and I know uh-huh. enough that it is way too schlocky even for me. And I am a guy that is notorious for liking bad, campy horror films like I mean, I grew up in the 80s, like, exploitation, black exploitation. you know, it was all bread and butter for me growing up, so. But right. Rubber is just like, what the flying fuck? Uh, speaking of Rob Humphrey, Chris, did you know, have you checked out uh, This Horror Life, speaking of uh, Ghost and, and Rob's new podcast? Uh, despite the fact half the cast makes me want to reach for the unsubscribe button, yes, I have at least I've been... I've been working through a massive backlog of podcasts and audiobooks at work, so it's on my list of things to catch up on, but it's not on my weekly have-to-listen-day-one yet. Which half of the cast is the real question? Well, I'm not going to name names, but it's probably <laughs> the editor that didn't check for Demonic Tain in an article. Oh! <laughs> Wait a well, yeah, I mean, it is kind of his fault, isn't it? I it mean, it, kind of I mean, you have him listed as editor in chief. I know. So you know what? <laughs> you're, yet, you're right. We could blame Rob. But yet he's not. But yet he's not reviewing anything that goes up, or at, at reviewing the comments because, goddamn, there's enough boner pills on my articles to. Make, <laughs> make I think they might be. Well, I'm not even gonna say that. But did you know that I earned a dollar from this horror life podcast? Is giving out a dollar if you email them and call Rob a cuck. And I'll be damned if I'm gonna miss out on a chance to call Rob a cuck and I got a dollar. You did get you wait, did wait, get wait. a dollar. Now 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 ghost, I'm just gonna throw this out here. If I do it in audio form, what do I get? I'll go <laughs> gotta be at least bucks. a five. Yeah, that's a five. Keep in mind he this is coming out of my own account. <laughs> he is a cucking who just wants to Woo! Wearing a Superman outfit as somebody rails. Oh my wow. god! Oh my god! Do you have some I resentment just... toward Rob? Oh my! No, I just goodness. wanted to get your five bucks worth. Okay. <laughs> you know what? You gotta respect that. You really did. You really did get five bucks worth. Oh my god! Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. If you want to send me your Venmo, your Cash App, I'll send it your way. <laughs> Coast is going to go broke $5 at a time. 
I really am. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, we did Night of the Demons last week. Uh, Chris, I know you watched it with us. Ghost, well, w- watch part of it with me. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ghost, have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Wow, what an asshole! Okay, well, <laughs> it, it it's it's definitely an eighties campy demon movie. Chris, what what where was that on your radar? You seem to enjoy it, right? I've never actually seen it myself, but I missed the intro to it. So, but since I have Amazon Prime, I have no. <laughs> I missed the ending. <laughs> I have no excuse to not go back and watch it, but right for your uh, very uh, chamomile sleepy time tea uh, uh, research on it during the movie, you know, for the budget, it it seemed to do quite well for what it had. I mean, right, it was basically a dark house movie that did well with its both set and environment that it, and for the budget that you found, like they made that dollar stretch quite a bit like a stretch armstrong yeah yeah they did they did um not it, it's just weird what zombies were uh, zombies were demons were back in the 80s because they were kind of like zombies and now they look i don't even know what you would classify them as now it's just usually some white girl that's possessed and acting they were, crazy they were very much like the uh Kind of like the demons from Demon Knight in a lot of ways. That they right. were just kind of your, like, your spook house, like, the shit you would see in a haunted house type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Still, it was, the movie was a good time. Despite the, my end result. But. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Do you want to play a game? Instead of a new segment this week. I figured we can kind of gear it towards gaming. We can just kind of talk gaming in general before we get to the interview with Matt. And we have the best panel here to do it. Ghost, other than... Because I, I know that we could talk about Friday more, but what's your other... Round? Like, if you had to pick another couple horror games, which would you throw out there? And if you say Dead by Daylight, I'll slap the <laughs> shit out of you. Well, I mean, I have been playing Dead by Daylight more a little bit. Uh, by myself some days are good some days are not good well that's how you're gonna keep doing it yeah (laughs) um i don't know i have been playing i recently downloaded the new resident evil game though well i should say resident evil 3 so i haven't played it yet i'd really like to those are kind of my go-to's i haven't played that that one because i want to get it on a deal just because from what i've seen compared to two it's less content rich (laughs) It is. But it is definitely. Lot, but it's a lot. But it's a lot more content compact. That the storyline is more linear, but it it seems to more or less condense what Resident Evil Three was all into one faster paced game. Yeah, from what I've seen, because I watched the the gameplay of it all, so I've seen the whole game. I haven't played it myself, um, and I have ne- I never played the original. I'm gonna put that out there. Um, but from what I read is there a lot of, um, content was taken out, like a lot of the puzzles and things like that, but I did get it on sale, which is why I ended up getting it because I wasn't about to pay full price for it. Yeah. I mean, it took out a lot of the puzzle aspects. I mean, sure. You still have a few of the, like, you know, run here, get this mm-hmm. thing, generate the vaccine and then run to the exit sort of deal. Nemesis is a lot more scripted than I thought he was going to be, especially when those early previews were suggesting that even the save rooms were not going to be safe from him. Right. So, I mean, 
but that's not to say that the nemesis that I saw in that game didn't feel like nemesis. I mean, it felt still like a tyrant that was just coming to hunt your ass to yeah. make your life a living hell every corner of the way. But not even not even Nemesis could stop Carlos and his stupid technically afro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got a point. He definitely has a point there. I, I actually got, just the other night, they had a Capcom sale on Xbox, and I bought the original Resident Evil for $5. Was that the remake version or the OG tank control one? I think it's OG. I, I only played. I booted it up once it was done installing, and you know I threw down on it. Like I just went through the opening menu and stuff just to get a look at it. And it lo- it's looks like OG. I, it could have been remastered, but I don't know. Did it look like? Did it look like PS2 or did it look like GameCube? Mm, PS2, PS2. I think. Okay, I so know. you didn't get the you didn't get the remaster with. I played my my first Resident Evil was the OG back today. I had the director's cut <laughs> on the PlayStation, so that was the one I got into. But the remake version that they put on GameCube was fucking. They nailed all the essence of the original game, but added on to it with that by adding even more to the Spencer Mansion with like Lisa Trevor and whatnot. Of basically another type of thing coming to hunt you, and then also. If you don't blow the heads off the zombies and don't burn the corpses, they can they can revive after like ten minutes as redheads and come screaming after you. Oh god. Hmm. Well then. Fuck that. Yeah, I, you know, uh, me and Bobby last week were talking about Resident Evil, and my one thing, and even in Resistance, it really pissed me off. Dude, they really need to come up off that menu design and come up with something new. Like, is it just me, or it's... I don't know, Ghost, if it's the same way in 3, but... Man, that I would imagine it is, since Resistance is brand new. Like, they, it's oh. really archaic. Yeah, Resistance was made as a... Like, an, an extra, I think, for Resident Evil 3. Right. Since they weren't planning to do expansions and whatnot, I believe Resistance was designed as being the long-term longevity goal for Resident Evil 3, so... Rather than selling you on DLC packs and whatnot, they were going to get you onto like battle passes and cosmetics for their mm-hmm. for their uh, asymmetrical uh, survival game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. Did it ever? Is it fully released? Because I know when we downloaded it, it was just the beta. It launched officially with Resident Evil Three, okay. and I know I've seen news articles stating that they've been that they're going to be adding new things and that they've been making adjustments and whatnot to the game. So it's out there, but the fact that like even like I'm big into like the YouTube gaming community as far as like mm-hmm. stuff I watch, and it's not making any sort of waves out there. So no. it's there, but at this point, it's almost like Friday the Thirteenth where. Dead by Daylight gets a lot more of the market share of, like, the horror multiplayer game. Right. And that's the shame of it. Well, we played it. I mean, we didn't play it a ton, but we did play it that one night for a few hours, and it just, it was really clunky. I think that was a big problem with it, and I don't know if they ever fixed it, but... Well, clunky, clunky when it's in a beta state is understandable. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, that had been utter, utter dumpster fires, but they, <laughs> they fix things around and turn it into a much better game over the long run. But, you know, outside of, like, the old days of, like, the betas, the big MMOs, you're not really going to see a game like that make a resurgence compared to, like, the old days of where EverQuest or 
planet side can, you know, revamp the whole game, remake the engine, tweak things around to make it almost feel like a brand new experience. Yeah. It's a good idea for the series, but it's not like it's going to be like like a Call of Duty's uh, ba- uh, Battle Royale, where it's going to be something people will keep coming back to over the place. Right. It might be... If they introduce, like, private matches and whatnot, you know, it might be something that people still play with and whatnot, but I don't see it developing. Yeah, and, you know, like me and Bobby were saying last week, it's a shame, too, because it it has so much promise, but it's just, I don't know, the menu pissed me off, there's just a bunch of things in there that just wasn't quite right. And it was just, you know, it's one of those games that uh, maybe they'll do another one and it'll be a little more playable. But, yeah, Ghost mentioned Dead by Daylight. Chris, I don't know if you ever played that, but, man, I don't even want to spend much time talking about it. That's the most unfair game that I've ever fucking played. I played it with you <laughs> that one night and there was that one kid that was constantly the killer that was constantly in the tryhards. I think the things that <laughs> turn me off on Dead by Daylight is that the killer is not on rotation. What do you mean by that? Oh, like where you can pick the where yeah. it picks up where it picks a random person from the party. Oh, on custom? Did we play custom that night? I don't know what we were playing that night, but don't you know, me. I was I I was confused. Like, so how do I become the monster? And they was just like, oh, you have to actually select and become it. Okay, yeah. Because because for me, when it comes to those games, I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I don't want to depend on other people. I want to be the killer. Right. So, you know, for me, like in Friday the 13th, I love being Jake. And I love hunting people down. Like, you know, when we, I used to play with you a couple times, you know, especially that first night where we were playing and it, I, I would literally let people live if they pointed me in your direction. Yeah, you clap my cheeks, man. <laughs> Where's Mikey? Clap my cheeks. And then, and then, and then you desperately trying to kill me, kill me and then. I phase out of the way just as the sweater goes off, and you're just like, you fucked it up! <laughs> I, I have very little recollection of that. But yeah, you know, it sounds it. like something you'd say. Oh, it definitely does. <laughs> it definitely does. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think the the best thing about Friday the 13th is it's so balanced. And it's not, like, if you know how to how to use Jason properly... You can shut some bullshit down, because I like mm-hmm. to consider myself a really good counselor. And there are some Jasons that will shut my shit down quickly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's rare, sure, but it, it happens. But then you just have some of them where you can, you can do whatever you want with them. And there's just, like, there's Jasons I could, I've played against that would never fucking catch me. But that's the beauty of it. Like, Dead by Daylight and stuff like that. The killer will eventually, like, it's a matter of time. Like, yeah, you can you can juke him and fuck with him a little bit if you're good enough, but he will eventually fucking get you. Yeah. There's, there's certain killers that have very obvious advantages from what I've seen. Like, uh, you know, Leatherface can tear down barricades super fast, you know, the... He can one-hit you at will, too. There's the, what is it, the nurse that she can place down sigils that if they get they get triggered, she can teleport straight to them, or mm-hmm. maybe I'm thinking of one of the other killers. Like, There's a couple of them, yeah. There's certain killers that they just have the obvious advantage. I mean, some of them are balanced because, like, Michael Myers has to, like, basically stalk and stare at his, his obsession for, like, five minutes to get the instant kill to trigger. It is but... not that long, dude. They, they must have nerfed it. It is not that long. I'm just basing it off 
the YouTube videos I've watched of Michael Myers gameplay of just basically him like walking around and I think it might be just because they were constantly breaking line of sight that it was not not obsession meter but but I mean still I mean it's not like Michael is overpowered it's not like he could just swing around the map like it's like he's on you know freaking crap I mean Freddy has very interesting mechanics and unique to that game Freddy's OP is fuck yeah he feels he feels like one of those characters that unless certain very specific conditions start triggering in a rapid succession he starts building momentum yeah Freddy Freddy can turn he can make pallets useless He's one of those that it feels like you have to basically beat him in the first five minutes or it's gonna go downhill. Right, yeah. Yeah. And Freddy too, he can he can teleport to generators and like Dude, I, I I played against this one Freddy and he wasn't even really doing much as far as like downing counselors and hook uh, counselors. Downing survivors and hooking them. It was just more so he was stopping those gens. Like every time we would get a little progress on it, boom, he'd pop up on it. And, like, it's only a matter of time at that point. It's, it's just, it's the most unfair game ever. It really is. If I was, if I was to suggest the character and the mechanics to it, I mean, I like what they did with the, uh, the Saw character, where if they're crouching, they don't trigger the, uh, stalking music. Yeah. If I was going to suggest one, I'd be like, let's put, let's put, like, the Purge character in. Like, in fact, just base it off the, uh... The, the the head purge guy from the first movie, you know, just designed it based mm. off him and his, and him and, and like a little mask and what. But also make it where like he can also look at somebody and then copy their their outfit and then look go around looking like he's one of the one of the survivors. And, you know, something like that would be would be interesting because it's it's something they've done kind of with Saw, but basically making a making a killer that looks like the survivors could lead to a whole lot much more, you know, fun, fuckable moments. You know, the people who aren't, like, sweating their goddamn balls off. Those are are the videos that I like watching. People purposely going out of their way. Like, there was one of the Saw characters, like, literally was just following people around, but wasn't getting close enough that the red light was on them, and just watching them and stalking through the whole map and just waiting for one of them to get ice. Yeah, and (laughs) Ghost was very pissed off about the last Dead by Daylight killer that came out, and I was too. And we had played this guessing game. I even wrote a fucking article about the damn thing. Like, I was really looking forward to it. As much as I hate the game, it kind of got me into it, because I'm like, oh shit, what's coming, this and that. And they fucking dropped the ball with Pyramid Head on Dead by Daylight. And Some of it I saw seemed okay. From yeah. what I saw, but then again, I haven't I haven't played against Pyramid Head, so I can't really say. Oh, it sucks. The only the only the only complaint is, and it's the same thing that like everybody else has with when anybody else does a new game and they change character models, they got right. rid of Pyramid Head, thick thick ass. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. What happened to all that cake? Where 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 the cake at? Uh, apparently, there's another licensed killer coming to Dead by Daylight. Oh. And I am not getting my hopes up again, man, because they fucked me last time. With the TV release of the Chucky film, mm-hmm. it would, and considering they already have everybody but Jason as the iconic killers, like, the uh, the only iconic 80 ones they're missing are Pyramid Head, or not Pyramid Head, uh, Pinhead, which mm. I don't know how they would do Hellraiser in that game. 
Oh, dude, they could do it phenomenal. Yeah, I think they and could do Chucky, that. And Chucky could be a hilarious one since he's so small. Like, let him basically go <clears throat> kind of invisible when he crouches down in the tall grass and just have him, oh. like, pounce out and leap at people. I'm sorry, but that would be so terrifying. Right. And if they could get that laugh in there? Oh, my God. I, oh, if I'm they got, if they got a, who is it, a Brad Dorf or whatever, just to do the Chucky laugh for the recording and just let them use that in the gameplay audio. Oh. And they could have him, if he grabs someone and, you know, how they put him on their shoulder, he could drag him. Drag him, yeah. Right. He could toss him up on, the, you know, it would be fun to have Chucky in there. I agree. That or, uh, like, if he pulls off, like, it's just a kill, like, give him an obsession one where, like, Michael's, where he builds an obsession character he can insta kill them just have him like leap out of the grass or out of like a window and be like just have him screaming don't fuck chuck <laughs> don't fuck with the chuck yeah i i don't know man it, i i'm not getting my hopes up for the new one only because i would think that if they were they were going to put their bajol because it was the anniversary the fourth year anniversary when uh pyramid had dropped i would have thought they would have put their bajol with that and I don't know, like, if I speculated it could have been Candyman. Maybe Candyman, the movie got pushed back. Maybe that they pushed it back for that. I don't know. Now, if we're removing franchise characters out of there, because let's face it, we were all thinking franchise when it came to the last one where it turned out to be Pyramid Head. If we were going to take movies out of the line, I could see them doing something similar to maybe either Mr. X from Resident Evil mm. or... This is going to go old school, but Scissor Man from the from the Clock Tower. Yeah, I don't know. You know what the thing with me is because if this is going to be a licensed killer too, when you say licensed killer, certain things come to mind, especially when you're putting things in there like mark the genre of horror since its inception. Like, what the fuck? Did Pyramid Head did that? No, no. You know, so yeah. to be to be fair, when you think of Silent Hill. What are the two? What are the two monsters from the series? You think? Well, yeah, that's fair. Pyramid Head and the Nurse. You think of the Nurse, and there's right. Pyramid Head. And Pyramid Head was in Silent Hill Two. He was in Homecoming, although he didn't quite fit in that. And then he was also in both of the movies as a supporting monster role, but he was still in both. I mean, as far as Silent Hill, as far as a town that is so evil that it twists your fears and your guilt against you. Pyramid Head is the walking executioner. He's kind of the iconic role in this. Yeah. Granted, his best use was in part two, where it made the most sense of the main character was so racked with guilt over what he did that he felt the need to be punished, which is why Pyramid Head was focused on it. You know, there's there's that. I mean, I mean, they could have done the Silent Hill nurse, but they've already got a nurse character that pretty much looks like her. Mm-hmm. And... The only thing they could have done with her to make her different would basically be if you shine, shine the flashlight on her, that they, she would freeze. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but I mean, if they did something like uh, the Scissor Man from Clock Tower, I mean, there's a lot they can do with that character. There's a, I mean, it's a, technically an, one of the earliest iconic silent uh, survival horror games to be out there. Uh, then there's Mr. X or Nemesis of just basically the big early monster that you will never be able to survive. Yeah. I mean, both of those 
could be the iconic character. I mean, you can even throw in the Resident Evil one time. So basically, any of the tyrants, uh, the role as far as like the iconic character. Yeah. And you didn't even ask me what I was playing. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. All right, let's wow. do that then. That's true. Jesus Christ, Chris. I'm wow. glad All right, let's throw that in. What, what, do you, what have you been up to? Uh, as far as like horror games go, there's yes. two I've been kind of splitting my time between. I mean, I haven't been playing a whole lot because I'm kind of in a funk, but there's uh, Maneater, which is basically take Bruce from Jaws and combine him with an X-Men. I did see gameplay. I want to get Man that Eater. game so bad. It is, it is not very deep as far as like the gameplay goes, but as far as like the mindless slaughter and and brutality, it is fun as fuck. Especially like once you start like getting all the upgrades to your shark, and you can basically like when you do your dodge move, you also basically do like an electricity burst around you, stunning everything around you. Mm. It is a lot of fun. I'm probably about. 60 to 70 percent of my way through that game and oh damn there's just so much to do like as far as like you know hunting down uh you know collectibles or uh what they call uh, apex hunters to basically unlock more skills it's a lot of fun there's that and i've recently started on gamepad uh carrion okay i've seen that the only way to really describe that game is basically you are playing the flesh monster from the thing, like the thing either from a the uh, the dog pen or the uh, the uh, hospital room scene from the original movie, or just the big what the fuck am I looking at monster from the prequel when they was inside the the outpost, and it, it's kind of like a Metroidvania game where it's just basically you kind of navigating through like air ducts, tunnels, and doors mm-hmm. to try to to try to find more power-ups and whatnot and kill everything within the facility. It's kind of a lot of fun so far. I'd say the biggest downside is because it's a Metroidvania-style game, there's no map. Mm. So you kind of have to remember how to, like, because there'll be parts of, like, in the first maps where, like, there'll be big wooden walls and whatnot where you, as the weaker and less evolved version, you can't break through them, but Later on, as you become bigger and evolve, you eventually get, like, a big back that breaks your balls and just, like, shit, how do I get back there to find the stuff I couldn't get for? Yeah, I, you know, dude, there's so many things out there, man. And back to, back to Maneater for a second. Dude, that, that shit looks like a mix between Jaws and fucking Sharknado. Uh, in a lot of ways, you're not wrong. It's basically like a... The whole game is basically presented to like this whole deadliest catch or, uh, you know, like one of those Discovery Channel shows of people like hunting gators and whatnot. But you basically just play as a shark and like at the the opening of the game when you're literally just playing as a shark and going through and fighting. And then the first the introduction ends with your shark basically being being captured and killed. And then the big the big bayou hunter like. Cuts open, cuts open your shark and pulls out like the baby that's inside of her. Like, oh my god, oh, it's just a, just a little whelp and like scars its fin and throws it into the ocean. And it's just like, and then from there it just turn, basically turns into Kill Bill, the roaring rampage of revenge. <laughs> they killed my mother. All these motherfuckers are gonna die. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It, like I said, you're you're kind of like the. The encyclopedia of gaming, dude. Like you're always up on everything new. You know, you've been through all the old stuff. 
Like, it's really cool when, when you go off about games. I really do enjoy it. I've, I'm multi-generational. Like, I, like, I, like, I, like, I've always kind of made fun of you guys. I've always, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I grew up with the Atari, the NES, the SNES, and going, up, going forward. Like, I yeah. kind of saw the early <clears throat> days of horror gaming when it was as lame as it could be growing up to eventually become Resident Evil and then evolving into what it is nowadays. And yeah. Like, every ten years, the whole genre evolves by leaps and bounds. It does. And it's getting shorter with that now, I think. Seems like every five. I would say, as far as, like, generations of horror goes, like, you have to pick, like, the milestone games that kind of redefined the era. I'd say the most recent of one that started the new generation was probably Evolve, which was not a hugely widely successful game, but it was one where one player plays as the monster and everybody else plays as the hunter, trying, hunters trying to hunt it down. And that's eventually what led into your Friday the 13th, your Dead by Daylight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like even your secret, like even your secret neighbors. Oh, yeah, it's a secret neighbor's fun. I mean, horror back like in the, the NES and SNES days was a whole different bag of bag of hammers back then. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th were some of the... They were some of the most god-awful because they were made by the LGN company, but yeah. they were some of the hardest, hardest games of time. But even they get some love. Like, I mean, the NES, Friday the 13th, get some love in Friday the 13th, the game of the retro game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the old heart, like, you know, NES and all, like, eh, it, it was kind of like Frogger with a fucking controller, in a way, you know, uh, it, it, loosely, but I mean, fucking leaps and bounds, but, alright guys, we're going to pass you over to the interview, and we'll be chit-chatting with you on the other side of that bitch, so enjoy. Okay, so we talked about it last week, and we have Matt Chacha on here from Gun Media, Friday the 13th game, Layers of Fear 2. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing good. We are excited to talk to you. We have a bunch of questions to throw your way uh, about gaming and everything fun about it. I, just, I wanted to start off, though, uh, we know you're the lead community developer for Gun Media, Layers of Fear, Friday the 13th. Could you just explain to everybody exactly what that role is? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. It, it throws a lot of people off. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see, in, in video games, we have community management, right, which is a general practice. Um, community management is more kind of the overall department. And then you can, you know, depending on the, the type of company, you have different segmentation in that department. So... You can have community representatives, community managers, community developers, all of these different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, basically, what we're all tasked with, though, is trying to make sure that we build and foster a positive community around the games that we work on. 
So what that means is we want to make sure that the community is supported. And how do we support community? We make sure they're informed. We make sure that, you know, there's a, a voice for those community members at the table with the developers. And there's a voice for the developers at the table with the community. So okay. basically, yeah, um, it, it, it can take form in a lot of different ways. Uh, it's not just as simple as the community said this and the developers said that, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a lot of times it's more about implementing, especially when you get into the realm of community development, which is a, a shade different than representing and managing communities. Um, community development is more about trying to make sure that there's avenues in game for the community to, you know, uh, rally around. Whether it's planning in-game events, planning out, you know, content for the social channels, planning out events, you know, like double XP events and and things like that and communicating all of that as well as, you know, I'm sure you know uh, we've done a significant amount of hours of live streaming and things like that to keep the community informed. So there's a lot to it. But yeah, when you boil it down, essentially I'm the voice of the community to the developers and the voice of the developers to the community. Okay, like, like you're a bridge, basically. It seems like, and Absolutely. you put all those infrastructures, I guess, together. Yeah. Oh wow that 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 seems uh, very 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 tiring, or it could get tiring. It can, you know, especially right now. Um, uh, as much as I'm lead community developer at Gun, I'm the only community developer at Gun. So, oh, wow. yeah. So um, we got a lot on your plate, huh? Yeah, I'm wearing a few different hats. Um, but, you know, that's that's the world of indie games. You know, uh, everybody's wearing a few different hats. So it's like when you look around Gun, it's not like you're the only one, you know. So uh, we're all making it work, and that's how indie games go. Um, but, you know, it, it's honestly, be, being that go-between, being that voice for the community is really rewarding because I have an, an opportunity to kind of, like, pull in from so many different sources, um, you know, across the whole spectrum of players and try to turn that into something usable for the dev team. Then I get to take the information from the dev team and turn that into something that the community can kind of, you know, uh, grasp and, and take hold of, whether that's through, uh, you know, writing out our patch notes and, and things like that, or, or just, dis, you know, describing design decisions and things like that to the community. And in the other direction, the way that pipeline flows is taking all the, you know, pain points or frustrations for the community and turning them into areas that the development, you know, deciphering that in a way that the development team can act on that in- information is, you know, a lot of times it's a lot of fun. It's really kind of, you're translating a lot, you know, because the right. way the community speaks and the developers speak, that's two very different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I mean, I am, I don't know, a lot of people might not know that there's a very active forums for uh, the Friday 13th game and, you know, I'm not too active on it, but I do keep an eye on stuff, and I, I see a lot of the stuff is Nerf Jason is usually yeah. community, <laughs> community talks. <laughs> well, and then you'll get a whole nother, you'll get like, you know, uh, there'll be phases where there's a really loud portion of the community that's like, Nerf Jason, and then they'll they'll kind of quiet down a bit, and then they'll be, you got to buff Jason, or even when it's happening at the same time, you know, um, you got one group saying, you got to Nerf Jason, everybody in the community feels this way. And then you just change threads, and it's a guy going, "You got to buff Jason." Everybody in the community feels this way. And it's like, you guys, how do you reconcile that? You know, like so. <laughs> yeah. That's a large part of my work, though, is trying to distill that down and and figure out where we really are at. Because you know, uh, the 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 saying kind of doesn't sound as good as I. It, it's not a one to one, but it is it is true that the squeakiest wheel gets the oil. And so you right, have to sure. try to be able to decipher between is that just a squeaky wheel or is are we really starting to see something that's, you know, 
gaining traction within the community. Right. Right. And I'm kind of going to bounce around a little bit here because, you know, you brought it up. Uh, where do you it's kind of a, a blanket question but how do you guys monitor the balance between killer and counselor because uh you have games like dead by daylight which i hate with a damn passion and it's just <laughs> the killer's way overpowered but and you look at friday the 13th and ghost and i play it a lot and you know mm-hmm. we're pretty good counselors and you know there's jason's where you know you can you could toy with them, you know, and it's it's really it seems like Jason's underpowered. But then you get somebody who knows what they're doing and they will just shut your shit down. And it's yeah. like, wow, what what are you supposed to do? So where do you find that that balance? Well, it's tricky because, as you said, there's shades of all different, you know, skill levels. In the, mm-hmm. in the community. You know, there's guys that have, you know, guys and girls that have played this game from day one and they their Jason skills are like, I mean, you know, a lot of times, I when I used to stream and I would play on stream, people would be like, "You're garbage. How do you work on this game? You're garbage." And I always point, yeah, I'm not that great, but like that's because I'm working. I'm not hanging out playing the game. Right. You know, like working on a game is not always just playing it. You know, but uh, there's people that far exceed even, you know, us in 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 gun our skill level uh, mm-hmm. because they live this game. They're passionate about it. So, but by the same note, there's also new players every day. And that's the that's yeah. true of any game that you ever work on, right? There's going to be new players as long as the game is up and running. There's going to be new players every day. Somebody finding it for like two bucks in a Steam sale and they're jumping it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always tricky. Uh, Rage, the uh, situation with Rage was one of those moments where, you know, we not only was it a moment where half of the community was convinced that everyone agreed with them, and then the other half had a different opinion, but was also convinced everyone agreed with them. So right. that was very tricky. But also trying to balance around um, two actual instances, Rage and uh, the recent changes to Killing Jason, trying to balance around mm-hmm. the longtime veterans from day one and then the people who maybe jump in and trying to find an area where you can, you know, maybe make Jason a little more powerful like, uh, like Rage or resistant to being killed like the most recent update, but still not alienate those newer players. And so that's kind of the idea there. And, and a lot of times... The way I always describe it is with these situations of balancing a game, there's only so much that's balancing. And then you eventually hit a brick wall because you're either a going to, you know, if if you don't have some kind of a hard stop at the back of that balancing, then you're just going to be swinging a pendulum back and forth. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? In one minute, it's going to be too strong this way. And then the next minute, it's going to be too strong that way. How you stop that is by having a hard and fast limit to those balance changes. And that is usually design. That is the end-all be-all because in every video game, balancing only goes so far. There's a core design to it. And in Friday the 13th, it just so happens that Jason is the unstoppable force. The game is designed around him. So, you know, it's tough because there's going to be people who are like, Jason's too strong. There's going to be people who say Jason's too weak. When you're working that balance, inevitably you get to a point where you go this is where we're going to stop because yes jason is strong here but that's the design of the game that he's supposed to be unstoppable it's never it was never designed to be oh uh you know all counselors surviving should be a regular occurrence that should never happen you know there's going to be casualties you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. 
again, like I said, you know, you, you can toy and, and tinker and tune knobs. It's like anything else. You turn the knob a little tiny bit here, a little tiny bit there, and you can do that for as much as you want. But inevitably, you always run into the wall of this is the design of the game. So this is where we have to stop tinkering and say, this is the hard and fast rule we're going to follow. And usually that's, in, in our case, that's Jason is Jason, Jason friggin' Voorhees. You know what I mean? Right. Like, supposed to be strong. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not easy, but it's a lot of uh, kind of like filling different buckets. You know, you're, you're taking information and you're putting it into different columns and you're, you're trying to take that like one upset fan who goes, Jason's too powerful. You're trying to take him and, and figure out where he, you know, specifically felt that Jason was too powerful and then, you know, turn that into something the development team can act on. Right, right. Getting off of gameplay for one second, before you were with Gun Media, you were with Ubisoft, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so what brought you over to to Gun, and, you know, what was that transition like? Because Ubisoft is, you know, a huge corporation. So what, what brought you to Gun? Well, you know, early in my career, I was very into shooters um, and uh, Clancy games and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I managed to start creating some content that got me noticed by Ubisoft. And then I, you know, kept running like community driven initiatives and things until, you know, an opening came up and I got the job at Ubi. Uh, while I was there, I mean, I did everything from the trials game to, uh, you know, the dirt biking game to mm -hmm. uh, the division and rainbow six siege and oh, some wow. huge, huge title. Right. Yeah. Usually when Those I get to the big games, <laughs> Yeah, usually at the point that I get to Rainbow Six Siege, somebody always says, oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a doozy of a game to work on. You know? right. um, now, uh, yeah, so I worked community on all those. And then eventually um, I progressed to a point where Ubisoft being a global company, I was going to have to leave the U.S. to uh, work as a comm dev. Or I took a job, you know, or there was this other, you know, kind of avenue called community management team lead where you would lead a team of community managers. So. I didn't want to leave the U.S. I had a new uh, addition to my family, my daughter Moxie, and uh, yeah, I just I didn't want to leave the U.S. So I, I felt like, well, let me give this community management team lead thing a shot, and I did that for a year, and I, I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, uh, you know, in my time as a, a team lead, we launched Far Cry Five and Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, and you know, a whole bunch of games, and I had a good time doing it, but I wasn't. I guess the word for it is a direct contributor anymore. I was more like a management role and okay. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I started thinking like, how do I shake, you know, I had been working in community for a couple of years then, and I had worked on, you know, such a, a wide variety of games and things. I was like, I, I want to shake this up a bit. I want to do something more hands-on. And I felt like it was a good time for me to get into indie because again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, in indie games, everybody wears a ton of hats. So it's kind of like one of those things where you, if, if you're longing to get back to being hands-on, indie's where it's at because you're hands-on in everything. I mean, since coming to Gun, I've not only been a community developer, but, you know, I mean, I built a platform that we could put moving mannequins on for a party at PAX. Like, I've done a little bit of everything at Gun so far. So, you know, when you're when you're in the mindset of let me – let me get back to a place of being hands-on and get out of like the corporate kind of vibe a little bit. Uh, the move to gun was like a no brainer. I also knew uh, Dan who goes by shifty samurai. Uh, he had moved from Ubisoft to gun 
and they were looking for somebody to fill a role. And so he reached out to me. He was like, you know, I think you'll be perfect for this. Come meet the team. And I did. And, you know, it's one of those uh, career changes where, I don't know, it was as much about the role as it was about the environment, the situation. I'm a lifelong horror fan. Gun makes horror games, you know, like there's just every time, you know, you would get that one step further into the process of exploring whether or not it would be a good move. I found something that was like, this is a really good move. I need to do this. And so lo and behold, here we are, you know. You you mentioned uh, that you guys wear a lot of different hats, you know, being with an indie um, company like that. And so what's it like working with such a smaller team? Everybody's got all these different hats they wear. Uh, it's tricky. It's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's tricky because <laughs> when you need information, like in a, in a structure, like at Ubisoft, when you need information, it's like, you know exactly what department to go to, you know, who is like first on the the ladder there to talk to. And if they can't help, then you can, you know, who you have to escalate it to. And there's like corporate trees and things of who reports to who and all this stuff at gun. It's not like that, you know, like, but luckily there's so few of us that it don't take you long to walk around the office and go, no, not, no. Oh, you don't handle. Oh, I have to talk to so-and-so. All right, great. You know, right. um, but it, it's a lot of fun because honestly, you know, indie gaming and, uh, you know, develop indie game development, it, it's very familial, um, as opposed to like these corporate settings. So like everybody at gun, we're all friends. We all know each other. We are, we're all like family. And, um, I really love that about working in indies, you know, being able to sit down for lunch with the entirety of the company, you know? And so th- there's moments that are a little tricky. There's moments where we're all kind of doing something outside of our comfort zone, but I mean, I'm a firm believer, uh, just as Wes is, that um, that's how you grow and progress in, in what you do. You know, um, we, we shake things up constantly at work, and, and that keeps us all on our toes. And that gives me also, tying it back to Ubisoft again, you know, kind of gives me what I was missing uh, with Ubi, where every day is a little something new again. And so that's, you know, that's rewarding. That's awesome. I, I always liked working with a, a smaller group of people. Um, in, in terms of that, like, so what is the process then that you guys go through as far as finding out that there is an issue, a bug, a glitch, or something like that in the game to you guys getting that patch rolled out? Friday the 13th doesn't have any of those. No, <laughs> never. Never. Not a one. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, gaming is a, a a strange branch of the entertainment industry, right? Because a movie comes out, right? Movie comes out, it plays, people might be like, well, I didn't like that they did this, but nobody's like, take it back, get back in there and cut it again and then show it to us again. And to, you know what I mean? Like gaming is a strange branch of the entertainment industry. Um, And I mean, that's by no means a complaint because I wouldn't have a role if it wasn't the way that it is. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a complaint. It's just, it's definitely tricky at times, but, you know, um, these live environments and these, these games made of complex systems stacked on top of each other, it, there's, it's ripe for issues. And so when those issues start to bubble up, the first thing we do is, I mean, literally first contact on reporting on a report of a bug usually goes through CS. It should at least go through Jason kills bugs. There's a lot of people who kind of, I don't know, they, they don't like the the system, you know what I'm saying? So like 
they they're like jason kills bugs no i'm gonna tell you matt in a private message on the forums what i happened and you're gonna report it <laughs> that is technically, right. yeah that's not technically my job but that's okay you know but um the the process should go reports come in through jason kills bugs they hit a certain volume and then cs will confer with me and say what are you seeing on the community side i'll take the reports in from the community and run them to cs you know who kicks off that first step isn't really as important as you know we start to see it hit a volume and then we have to confer with each other get our, our ducks in a row so we can paint the picture of what's going on and what the, the community is seeing then we run that to production production will try and verify if production can verify what's going on they start to then build their their plan for how they're going to combat it and that takes us syncing with our development partners black tower um, Black Tower then puts together a game plan of how they're going to sort it out, what that's, you know, what that fix is going to entail and when we'll be able to see it in game. And, uh, yeah, you know, every bug is a little bit different in the respect that some of them are, are quick and easy and some of them take a bit longer. Um, but you know, Friday the 13th is also a very particular game. Uh, it's unlike any other game I've worked on in the respect that, um, you know, Ilphonic, was the core development team originally. Now Ilphonic is no longer the core development team and now it's Black Tower. So that shift has like a little bit of a, it's not like working on a car where like, if you know how engines work, you can look at an engine that someone else built and you can fix it. It's not the same. It's, it's trickier than that in the respect that there's a lot of things about Friday the 13th that are kind of bespoke and they're, they're unique to um, Ilphonic and Ilphonic's development kind of style and, and structure and all of that. So for Black Tower, there's a little bit of a, you know, messing with someone else's recipe that goes on there. Um, so that definitely complicates things a bit. But, you know, in, in all development, it's a matter of the community is going to report and you have to, again, that filtering that I talked about earlier, you have to take those reports and filter it down, see what they're actually, you know, try to whittle it down to what they're actually seeing, you know, um, uh, if you can find common threads in it, sync up with CS, try to tie lines together so that when you do go to prod, you at least give them the most information you can. Then when they come back with something, now you're armed with more information for the community. Either that's, you know, questions you need answered or, you know, workarounds that they can try on and on and on. So it's, it's not, it's never like a simple, well, here's the process, you know, like I put the shoe on the foot and then I tie the laces and then <laughs> right. I run, you know, but it is, um, there's a structure to how it should work at least. Um, best laid plans of mice and men and all that, you know, but uh, there, there is a structure to how it should work. And, and best case scenario is uh, exactly as I described, you know, get it through, get it whittled down to the core problem, get it over to development so they can start making moves on it and then bring it back around again and, and distill that for the community. I, I just want to, while we're on the topic of glitches, point out that I really miss the roof glitch. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Okay. You know, yeah. That's one that a lot of people are pretty torn on, and I don't know I that know. a lot of the community would agree with you about the roof I, glitch. I know well, they will not. not. Yeah. Uh, we but, know. We know. It is interesting that you bring it up because the roof glitch represents a very specific type of um, issue, I guess, that's kind of... Uh, more unique to Friday the 13th and it's another part of that you know systems on systems and things like that and you know uh but it's also a matter of it's one of those little areas that you see people getting onto the roof and and our stance on that roof glitch from the beginning was we're 
people were like, well, just put a kill volume up there. And no, because that's addressing that one instance. But we wanted to needle in into the systems and figure out how they were propelling themselves in the first place. Never mind where they were landing. You know right. what I mean? Like, And that is definitely a large part of game development is saying like, well, are we trying to treat a symptom or are we trying to treat the disease? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, if somebody goes, I have a runny nose, you can hand them a tissue. You know what I mean? But that's right. not going to stop whatever's causing the runny nose. So um, that's kind of a, a great example of some of those unique things to Friday the 13th. Trying to, you know, we initially tried to just treat the situation right then and there. And we had a bit of a misstep. I mean, those, uh, the, you guys are, are core, you know, in this call, I mean, in this uh, podcast, you guys are core community. So you know that we had a little bit of a misstep there in the beginning because we tried to treat it at too surface of a value. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until we dug in further that we were able to actually correct it. And that's because we dug into the system and figured out how players were using, you know, like a bear trap to basically propel themselves and, and rubber band in a way that launched them up. Because again, like I said, treating the the disease not the symptom is treating how they're launching themselves not where they're landing so and again one of those tricky things trying to explain that to the community that's a big part of my job um we had a lot of people going just put a kill box up there so if they land up there they die and it's like yeah that that would work now right but the the slingshot method would still be there some like next week it would just be on top of a rock or on top of another building or on top of a car or on top of a whatever and you didn't fix the problem. You know what right. I mean? It's like when you go to the doctor and you go, doctor, my knee hurts. And he goes, my knee hurts when I do this. And he says, don't do that. You know, like that's not really the answer. That's, you know, so yeah. That, I mean, and it, it, I always looked at it as, you know, obviously that's something people don't want, but um, it, it was, it was something that was, I don't know. It just made the game unique stuff like that. Little things. Cause you know, Friday the 13th yeah. and horror movies in general are campy. You know, so it's just like, oh, cool. It's kind of like a horror movie. You know, it lends to that. But no, I could, I definitely see the, the the issue there. Well, I mean, I'm a realist too. There's something to be said for loving the game, warts and all. You know, and right. I really, um, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I know that 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 sounds super dismissive of things that frustrate people. I don't mm -hmm. mean it to sound dismissive in the least. Um, it's just a matter of, let's be honest. There's this is a very indie game and, and, you know, we're three years since launch. And so there's some things that are going to be kind of like a warts and all kind of moment. And, um, you know, some of that is a little bit of the magic of it too, in my opinion, but I mean, that's a little more particular to me. Right. 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 So in the past, there have been rumors that maybe Friday the 13th would become cross platform. Is there any chance that'll ever happen or, is it something that's just too much to work on or? I mean, at this point, it, I have to kind of defer back to, uh, we did a beyond stream with uh, me and Wes on it. And we talked about this topic and um, mm -hmm. it was kind of at that stage already, which was, I mean, close to a year ago, mm -hmm. uh, something that would be nice, but we had a list of things we wanted to work our way through and we want to make sure that we gave those things our, our due diligence and our complete focus and all of that. So, you know, honestly, at this point, it's off the table. Um, because now here, you know, even then when switch was, I think this was around when switch was launching. Yeah. So, you know, switch was launching and, and that's over a year ago now, man, God, time has it been, 
It doesn't feel Holy like shit, that. Wow. It's been a year. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I remember when that was announced, and I was like, I had just gotten a switch. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's been over a year wow. now. Like time is flying by, man. Anyway, um, yeah. So that was back around the time of the switch launch, and at that stage, uh, Wes's exact words, you know, were basically, "It would be nice, but we've mm-hmm. got to worry about right now." And yeah, we've spent the the time in between worrying about those other things and trying to take care of those other things. And I think that at this stage, yeah, it's definitely off the table, um, it, which is a shame because, you know, cross-platform is one of those things. It, it's, not a, it, it's not even considered going out on a limb to say it would be nice for every game. I mean, right. you know, especially from the player's point of view. I mean, what, and what community uh, employee wouldn't want to go to their community and go, hey, you can all play together now, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Right. That would be a huge win. You know, I'd love to deliver that news, but, you know, like I said, it would be nice in all situations. And I think we're starting to see it more and more, which is a great sign. So, you know, down the line, I, I'm confident that there will come a point where games just launch cross-platform. If they're multiplayer, they'll just launch cross-platform. So, but as far as Friday's concerned, I think the, uh, you know, uh, the time for that, uh, that big of an undertaking has already probably passed. Okay. Yeah, and I agree with you too that I I think we're definitely moving towards where it it'll probably be the norm, you know, in maybe a couple of years sooner than later. But um the horror video games I think in general are rarely as authentic as what Friday the 13th is, and you guys are able to bring this game to life in such a unique way. Does Gun Media have is there any plans or talks or anything like that in another licensed character-based game because like you know i brought up dead by daylight earlier there's a couple other games i I could throw out there and they just i don't know it just seems like they're throwing a character on your screen and it's not really it this is friday the 13th the game you know like it's as close to the movie as anyone could possibly get and it seems like you guys are able to do that better than anyone else well, I really appreciate the compliment, um, and I, I will bring that back to the team with me because I'm sure they will really appreciate it also. Uh, authenticity is something that they really, you know, um, being true to the franchise is something that, that Gun really prides itself on. Um, you know, there's, we, we always say that Gun is made up of horror fans just like the community, and it really is true. Um, we have, we regularly, you, man, if you ever make your way out here, you have to stop by the studio sometime for a tour. Oh, we have running horror movies regularly, uh, you know, horror video game championship tournaments around the office. Like, we, we have a good time there. Um, we're as crazy about horror as you all are. So, you know, that authenticity comes from a lot of time spent analyzing frame-by-frame frame things, um, you know, taking reference pictures. There's, there's, you know, files and files and files and files on uh, drives of the uh, screenshots shared amongst the team in the ma- during the making of Friday the 13th in order to nail down certain looks and things and, you know, painstaking effort put into Jason masks and locations and all of that. So I'm sure the team will very much appreciate hearing that. But, um, you know, the thing about you bring up the difference between some other games and ours, and I think that the key difference is the killers are a feature in the other games um the game friday the 13th the game is built around the killer it's built around the franchise so that's the key difference really um you know i'm loath to try to compare things that are not similar and i think that that makes that puts a pretty significant dividing line between those two types of approaches toward bringing these you know horror franchises into games you know there's one side that says we're going to make 
Friday the 13th, the game. And it's going to be, you know, all the lore, all the canon, all the locations, all of the, the period accurate stuff. And then there's, we're going to put Jason Voorhees in Mortal Kombat. Right. Know, two different approaches. Ugh, and, right. and that's not to, to, you know, not to shit on Mortal Kombat or anything like that. You know, it's not to, to knock them or anything. It's just a different approach. Um, that being said, I can't confirm anything that Gunn is working on. Right. So, you know, I, you, I'm sure you expected that. But what oh, yeah. I can yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> what I can say on that topic, though, is Gunn is sticking with horror. Um, we're sticking with making horror games. And again, uh, the authenticity, the, the fan service, the like love letter to the franchise is something that is like one of the core pillars of Gunn. So anything we do is going to have that level of, of painstaking recreation uh involved so that's beautiful and yeah yeah i figured it was more of a an interest thing because you know like like i said i mean we can go on for days with the you know getting actors kane hotter you know tommy jarvis tom matthews all that like you guys went harry manfredini's tom savini Mm -hmm. above and beyond like i've never heard of any game going through that much trouble even I mean, you could even bring up games like Resident Evil. Like, even they didn't go as far, and they have the movies; it's theirs, you know. Mm-hmm. And they and they still didn't go above and beyond like that. So that's definitely a, a good sign. But you had mentioned, and this is just kind of me taking advantage of having you here um, and throwing my two cents in. You got you mentioned having uh, like little contests and tournaments in the uh, the offices. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any any? hope for a friday the 13th league and i asked this because i know there's a few um there's some people who run one run some of them you know just as their own thing sure. and that the competition level for this game is just mind-blowing like you would yeah. think it's a madden tournament that you guys are hosting ever <laughs> is there any hopes for something like that because i think there'd be a ton of interest you know it's one of those things that is kind of um hindsight being 2020 um, because when the game was built, it wasn't built with like, you know, the structure in place to, to make normalized comp competitive matches. You know, it was always said, you know, that it was never planned to be a competitive game in that respect. And, and now let me, let me get this whole thought out and I'm going to qualify that. Okay. <laughs> it was never meant to be a competitive game. That being said, me being on community, of course, I have to recognize that it's not our choice whether or not people treat it as a competitive right. game. You know, and, and if you give people each a controller and say, now play against each other, they're going to be competitive, right? So mm-hmm. all of that being said, it wasn't built to be a competitive game. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things in there that are, you know, people have a tendency to come to us and say, you know, making Jason kneel for the kill sequence is bugged. And it's like, no, it's not actually bugged. There's a there's a bit of a random dice roll involved. There's Which a bit we're of, aware like, of. You know, <laughs> <laughs> painfully so aware of. Right. So, you know, there's all these different things that are left kind of random. Um, you can't have a truly competitive game experience when there's random elements in place mm-hmm. because that's not, you know, if if we're playing at a competitive level and in my match the random element didn't go my way and in your match the random element did, you didn't win because of skill. You won because of that random element. Very so you true. Can't, you know what I mean? So it was never built to be competitive. That being said, I'm aware of those tournaments and those groups that that treat it competitively. And I think that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But they're definitely working around the system a bit in order to make it work in a competitive way. And I think that that's honestly 
you know, that hard stop of design, if the game's designed this way, people are still going to treat it as a competitive game. Again, because like I said, we can design it as a non-competitive all we want. They're going to treat it as competitive. Mm -hmm. I think that really where that ends up landing is it falls in the hands of the players interested in a competitive experience. And I think that that's not a bad thing. It's not like saying, hey, we don't want to make a, a tournament, so you guys go do it. It's a more a matter of it's it's a really nice organic thing that the community can take ownership of and and run on their own and run how they see fit and run with their own structure and and you know i, I don't know that it's one of those things i don't know that we need to tinker with that you know and uh maybe if we were going to go back to the to day one and, and redesign things right. to be competitive sure but you know at this stage i think it's better owned by the the players yeah i i could definitely see that because i've i've had my eye on a couple of them and Man, it's it, it really is great, and you know, even just the with outside of that, just in the community itself, like the co level of competition is just you wouldn't expect it from you know. It's usually like a I don't even know how to explain it. It's just something you would not see coming from it. But man, is it out there on a high level? Oh yeah, and and they have some really talented people. Um, he goes by uh, Please Vini, your your university of please me uh, it's a play on the savini mm -hmm. name but uh he uh organizes tournaments but he shoutcasts the entire thing from spectator mode and they're really thrilling to hang out and and watch over on twitch uh when they were still running them I, i'm not sure that they're still running them but right yeah a quick shout out to him because uh not only is the the competitive play impressive but he's entertaining as hell to watch so <laughs> that helps too it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, getting off of the the game topic a little. The I only have a, we only have a few more questions for you. Uh, you ha also have a Radio for the Creeps podcast. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that too? Well, quarantine has us all sitting inside, right? <laughs> so, um, it started uh, when um, I, I want to say like around March. The idea started. Uh, the podcast didn't actually start until May, but um, you know. I was sitting around and, and talking to some friends about different things to do with our quarantine to, to make them a little more interesting, maybe create some content, something. And, you know, Wes had started doing some streaming. He streams uh, uh, building dioramas and things on Twitch, which is really cool. He has like a really cool crafting stream, which has been a lot of fun. And I was like, you know, nobody wants to watch me stream. I stream like for a living. I, I streamed. Oh, my God thousands and thousands of hours when i was at ubisoft on the division game oh, wow. uh, twice a week jeez uh twice a week three hours a session so six hours a week for almost two years so wow. like and i to this day didn't miss a single stream like I, I mean i would take vacation and plan my vacation around my stream days so like yeah i sh you know i and so when it came time to like yeah, so when it came time to think of something to do at home to, like, mellow out and be creative while quarantined, I was like, not streaming. Nope, not that. So um, I always, I, I really love a lot of the horror podcasts that are out because I, I listen to them for the opinion. I listen to them for the person. Um, and, you know, I know I recognize that I'm, I'm no scholar or anything like that, but I like to just hang around and talk about horror. So I was like, well, let me, let me get some mics together and get this figured out and, and you know, I started Radio for the Creeps, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun, too, because it, it takes a lot of the things that I enjoy doing and puts them all into one nifty basket. Mm -hmm. I get to create logos for it. I get to do social for it. I get to, 
you know, create and design t-shirts for it and do the podcast and, and talk to guests and, you know, and, and after all of those other things that I get to do for fun, I get to sit down and talk about horror, you know, prospectively to other people who love horror. So, right. you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, you know, content creation without worrying about metrics or anything like that, or worrying about any of that other stuff. I just do it for the, the love of horror. So. Right. And yeah. And I, I, I haven't caught up on all your episodes yet, but the few I listened to, I really, really enjoyed subscribed and all. I mean, and especially, I mean, we, we don't have any experience or, or resume in, you know, movies, games, anything like that. But mm-hmm. like you said, we kind of, uh, I, I guess you'd call free ball it, you know, just for the fun yeah. of it. And having right. someone like you who actually has, or you're in the, the, the whole thing. I mean, that, that just adds a million percent to it. So great listen I, you know anyone listening now definitely go check that out uh but before we let you go matt we know you're a horror fan we have to ask you oh yeah give us your top three horror movies number one off the bat is return of the living dead anybody who knows me not only am i a horror fan but i'm like i i was i i cut my hair into my first mohawk i was 12 years old wow. so i'm 40 now and i still have a mohawk so nice. i mean I'm a lifelong punk rocker as well as a lifelong horror fan. So Return of the Living Dead is always number one. Always. That is the fastest answer to that question I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> you know what's weird? What's going to be weird about me is two and three is going to be a hell of a lot harder than one. One is like, yep, no problem. That right there. Okay. Um, two and three. Gee, man. You know, I really like I really like a lot of like gross out bladder movies. Um, there's so many good ones that I feel like one of them has got to make it into the list. So maybe street trash Mm. at number two, which is just a goo fest. It's just like a bunch of melting people and it's ridiculous and bonkers. Uh, street trash was made because the director wanted to get into like special effects makeup and do stuff like that. So he did like a, a little short about people melting and did all the effects and things with it. And so I think somebody at his film school was like, you should make a whole movie out of this. And he was like, all right, whatever. So the movie was born out of the concept of let's melt people. And they made a movie around it. So it's kind of goofy. It's kind of whatever. But I love street trash. That's, I'm actually wearing a street trash shirt right now. That's so yeah, funny. I got to get that in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, number three. Um, hmm. Man, it's a toss up between. I, I really love really 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 love texas chainsaw massacre really um yeah i think there's something really cool about a horror film that's in the museum of modern art you know right. um there, there's just something about that and the amount of bang for the buck that they got uh while making that is is really impressive uh i don't know that i would make it my number three though because there's another movie called hellraiser that i really really oh. all right i'm down with hellraiser. that yeah like there's something about hellraiser probably because you know um when i was a, a little kid uh if you if you watched the beyond streams you might have heard this story already but i was i'll keep it as short as possible i was a little kid and i mean maybe like i don't know eight years old when like the first hellraiser was making the rounds and um I was horrified of Pinhead mm. and the local newspaper ran, there was an ad and then like an, a write up about the new Hellraiser movie. And it had like a full page Pinhead 
right? Like just this head, you know, you know, from the original movie that like snarly face he mm-hmm. has. And, yeah. and we're talking about with the fold and everything, the full page. And I was horrified, but I loved it. I, I, my relationship with horror has always been about, it does scare me, right? Uh, it, it, I'm not one of those people who's like, horror doesn't scare me. I watch it and I laugh, you know, like horror scares me. That's why I watch it though. I enjoy it for that reason. So as, even as a little kid, I was horrified of Pinhead, but I loved it. And my father like didn't really, I don't know. He just didn't really, I guess being a dad and wanting to protect me from things that scared me, he didn't want me to love horror and he, he couldn't like rectify he couldn't make <laughs> reconcile you know like, my kid loves this so much but it gives him nightmares and then i gotta deal with him having nightmares and being scared shitless but he loves it so much like do i take it away you know um and i don't know he just yeah he he, he would yell at me about you're gonna have nightmares you're gonna have nightmares so one day he thought he would break me of my interest in pinhead and you know my weird obsession with something that scared the crap out of me and i was in the shower and he went into the bathroom. He took my towel off of the back of the door and he taped the full page pinhead ad to the oh, door. God. And then and I took my towel off and I'm staring face to face with pinhead. And it, it scared the ever loving <laughs> shit out of me. And since then, I don't know, man, I've, I've always loved the Hellraiser films. And I always love that story because my dad, man, my dad was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> And that was a really raw move. That was a really, that was a terrible thing to pull on a, on an eight year old. You know? Oh but my God. It's just always had a special place in my heart because um, it, it perfectly um, explains my interest in horror and that like that weird relationship that you have with something that scares the crap out of you, but you just, you can't look away from. So yeah, probably Hellraiser in number three. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, you can look, man, I'm a huge fan of Friday the 13th Part 3. I'm a huge fan of Part 4. Those are two amazing movies. Part 6 is Part 6, the Frankenstein-Jason concept, mm. you know, comes to life in, in Part 6. That's an amazing movie. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors, mm. an amazing movie. Uh, Halloween 2 is an amazing movie. The Thing is an amazing movie. Uh, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is, you know, like, it gets so murky from there on out that those mm-hmm. lists, um, I, I always talk about it around the time that like uh, March Madness and everybody's doing those brackets and it's like, do your favorite horror movies. And it's like, do you want to hear my favorites or do you want to hear what I think are critically the best? And so right. I always kind of lean to the side of what do I love the most? And and so, yeah, Return of the Living Dead, Street Trash and Hellraiser. Okay. Okay. I, I do have one more. Qu- I'm sorry. I, we're keeping you forever. I, I have to ask <laughs> you this though. Since Texas Chainsaw almost made your top three. Oh my I God. have to ask you this. And it's also funny because I got yelled at by Doug Bradley. You mentioned Pinhead too. I got yelled at by him for asking him this question. In an ass whooping contest, a straight up fight, who would win, Leatherface or Leprechaun? Leatherface or a Leprechaun? <laughs> yeah. Leatherface, easy. Uh, magic though? No. I no, I don't I don't I don't think there's any amount of magic that can that can keep, you know, you gotta remember, Leatherface is like Leatherface is, is, is like a big goofy dog. I, I know they talk about Jason that way too in some of the later ones. What was it, Freddy versus Jason? I think that that, right. that line comes up. But when I think of Leatherface, I really think of a big goofy dog with one purpose. And I mean, he, yeah, he's relentless, man. I don't know. Uh, then again, Sally Hardesty got away, you know, and he fell down yeah. and his own leg with a chainsaw. So who knows? Maybe the leprechaun would win. But 
If you ask Doug Bradley that, what was his? You obviously asked him Pinhead versus Leprechaun, or did you ask no. him against someone else? I asked him Leatherface. It was a running thing. Uh, one of my old co-hosts was a huge Leatherface fan, so I would give her shit over the Leprechaun, and mm-hmm. so we were just. I asked him Leprechaun versus Leatherface, and. I can't remember his. Ex- I think his re- there was profanity in it. He said something like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" or something like that. And he was <laughs> stern amazing. about it. That's amazing that you got Doug Bradley to be stern about something like. I, you know, I, I I got cursed at by Doug Bradley. I'm all right with that. That's a feather in your cap. <laughs> amazing, right? Yeah. Put that I want to say Leatherface just because I I I just feel like I can't give any win <laughs> in a head to head to a leprechaun. You know, I don't know. It, it is shameful. I understand. <laughs> hey, the leprechaun movie. I mean, that basically propelled Jennifer Aniston to stardom. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there's that from leprechaun straight to you know friends and shit like that. And you know, hey man, yeah, big leprechaun fan. As ridiculous as it is, <laughs> but Matt, we appreciate you so much taking your time tonight. You've been very insightful, very informative, and we're even bigger fans of yours after talking to you. We appreciate your time, man. Oh, for sure. Thank yeah. you so much for having me, guys. This has been a lot of fun, and I, I really appreciate all the kind words and all the support for, you know, both Gun and our games. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for having me on, and, and thanks for hanging out. Um, I, I'd love to come back sometime. Oh, we'd love to have you. We'll definitely keep in touch, man. We appreciate you. Have a great night. Oh, wait, before... Uh, tell everybody where you you know they can get in touch with you, all your stuff. You know, do you want to throw anything out there? Uh, well, you know, you can find me everywhere as Matt Shacha, like you said at the top of the show. Um, I I'm, I go by Matt Shacha on everything from gaming platforms to social media, and uh, please do check out Radio for the Creeps. Uh, you can just find it as Radio for the Creeps on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Beautiful, beautiful. Have a great night, sir, and we're definitely going to keep in touch. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me again, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, guys. Welcome back. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Chris, I have a few questions for you, sir. Go for it. Matt kind of insinuated. I don't want to put words in his mouth or nothing, but he obviously couldn't say much about any future licensed characters in in you know horror games from gun media he insinuated possibly maybe they're working on you know maybe we don't know that what they're, they're working maybe on. working on stuff maybe chris if they were to do it because like i've always said friday the 13th and gun media what they did with that game they brought it to life like no other game. you know as far as sticking sticking to a topic and bringing something to life they've done it better than anybody arguably what would you like to see? What franchise would you like to see? If you could pick a game for Gun Media to do, which would it be? I mean, Friday the 13th, the game was more or less a love letter to the first nine films. Mm-hmm. They hit all the right beats. I mean, they made counselors that were representative more or less throughout the whole series, the right. first nine, nine films of the series. They at the very least, earn my trust as far as respecting the original content. Right. If they were willing to kickstart or, you know, buy into another franchise and do another film of that nature, the obvious one in my mind would be more or less a rehash of Friday the 13th, the game, but it would be basically doing Halloween. Mm. Would 
would be the would be the easiest one if they wanted to go a little off the walls and do something vastly different i could see them doing something maybe like urban legend scream or uh, even candy man just because each of those franchise each of those franchises gives them different setups and scenarios and obviously killing opportunities that could be integrated into an asymmetrical horror. Trying to like integrate like some of the urban legends of like Bloody Mary and whatnot into a asymmetrical horror game would be interesting what they could do if they want to apply themselves in. Mm, awesome fucking picks. I would have probably went generic yeah. with like Nightmare on Elm Street Ghost. I know your ears perked up when he said Scream. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm all about Scream. Give me Scream everything. Oh, man, that would be amazing. Oh. Dude, Scream would be fucking Environmental awesome. kills galore with that shit. But the problem is, like, on Friday the 13th, how the counselors trip, Ghostface would probably, they'd have to add some element of him tripping and stumbling. Yeah. That'd be annoying. What are you talking about? Like, it... Ghostface tripping would be part of the survivor mechanics of Well that's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whatnot in his way that he might stumble on. I'm like, the dude was tripping all over the goddamn place half the time. Like, <laughs> 80% of the people who escaped Ghostface was because he fell on his fucking ass. <laughs> or they knocked him on his ass. That happened quite often too. I did. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see though what kind of like if they were gonna in- to implement like the same kind of system, like how many maps they would be able to make. If they did Ghostface, and what kind of maps they would choose. Because I feel like they'd all Scream, end up looking kind of the same. Scream could probably offer some of the the most variety. I mean, you could have the uh, house party from the first game, or first mm. movie, uh, the university from part two, the, uh, like, well, uh, the mansion from part three, and I forget where part four took place. For the A house. <laughs> but, um, oh, I guess they could, could do, like, the could, barn. Party. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could do like the you could do like the you could do like the barn rave and whatnot. I mean, there's still things, and there yeah. could also be like the empty street where uh where the cop car crashed from a uh, part two, you know, as like a map. You know, th- there's things they could do with Scream. Urban Legend, I think, would offer a lot of the same things. I mean, also, I guess if you wanted to throw it in there, I know what you did last summer mm. would be a lot of the same. Yeah. I mean, it, the part of it would be basically be be making a fair to both the killers and the survivors mechanic, and then also making the maps interesting enough that they're just not just not one note and bland. I feel like uh, they were able to do that though with Friday the Thirteenth so well because they put so much passion into it that they'd be able to do it if they picked up another franchise to make into a game. I feel like oh, they'd be able sure. to do it. For sure. I mean, with all the maps we had, I mean, for the, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I'm not sure if they were 100% one-to-one, but I mean, you could pick off, like, where most of the major scenes of the film took place, just mm-hmm. on those on those campgrounds from, what was it, part one, three, and uh, four were the most obvious ones. I mean, the Grendel would have been really interesting to see how they would have pieced that together, how, like, the cop mechanic or the Tommy mechanic would have worked in the Grendel map. And then also if they did stuff like the uh like 
Jason takes Manhattan where it's taking place like on that like that small section of Broadway mm. where you have like a little bit of the over oh. like the over like the over street and then going down into the subway and the sewers for like hunting down and chasing people. It could have been a you know a lot more. I mean, unfortunately, legal matters happened and it put a pause on everything. So who knows where they would have gone in the time since then, but... Mm-hmm. Well, you got to think, too. Dead by Daylight, you know, indoor... I hate to bring them up again, but in a lot of games, indoor maps are, like, the worst thing in the world. Friday the 13th, yeah. granted, they don't have any indoor maps, but, you know, Pinehurst, Jarvis, like, there's some big houses in there, and even just cabins in general. You're indoors. And, dude, I, I never really thought of this. It it doesn't, like, they they have... Their mechanics work so well indoor and outdoor. So if they can incorporate that to something like Scream, where it would be majority indoors, dude, that'd be fucking. It, they work it so well. Oh, I I fully agree. Like the uh, what was it Friday the Thirteenth Part Four map, the Jarvis House one. Like yeah, once they fix that one glitch where Jason couldn't walk through part of the basement, mm. like it was one of those maps where. Even if Jason was on you most of the time, like you could run his ass around for a while. I mean, it—I know you hate it, but it's you know—it's <laughs> kind of like playing one of the main roles in Dead by Daylight, where sometimes one of the survivors just has to take the role of "I'm going to distract the killer for 15 minutes so we can get as many gener- generators as possible." Yeah, you know, it's—it's it's the same aspect of I'm going to run his ass around these two houses. You guys have to get as much of the car built as possible so oh, we can get yeah. the fuck out of here. That, I was going to say, that's kind of how we play <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's why I'm stuck fucking dealing with his big ass and everybody else is hopefully doing shit. Yeah. Everybody else is hopefully? Well, I'm always doing shit. I mean, I mean, on the Jarvis map, most of the time I'm hiding off in the basement just doing donuts around <laughs> around everything trying to keep him occupied. Or right. Otherwise, otherwise, my ass is like, once the cops are called, is I'm into my way towards one of the exits and I'm playing the coin flip. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's pretty much the my main objective when I play. Although I gotta get something off my chest real quick real quick, Chris. Ghost is fucking notorious for getting killed right the fuck away when a match starts because she has to check the goddamn drawers <laughs> and won't just leave when he gets there. He doesn't have shift or nothing, Chris, as you know, right off the bat. You could easily just run away from his ass. Nope. Got to check every drawer, and is shocked every time she gets grabbed and killed. Checking a fucking drawer. <laughs> Just wanted to get that. Out. There, with with my circle of friends, there there was kind of a joke. Every time I was Jason, I always have a habit of when I'm Jason of I either pick phone or one of the three generators. It's one of the one of the four things I will teleport to right away. Mm-hmm. There was always the one guy in my circle of friends that second I teleported. Even if I chose right on the box or maybe a few feet away to get like a little bit of a sense objective, he, he was always there. like within five feet of me. Like, and it was just like I almost started to feel bad about this because it it can't be fucking random. Yeah, I mean, when you play against me as Jason, like the very first thing is, am I near a generator? I need to get the fuck away from. Me. All right. To be fair, since oh, you threw me under the bus like that, I don't die like that as often. I try to be better about it. It happens often enough. Not anymore. My favorite thing, my favorite thing though, is role playing as one of the counselors. One of my favorite things to do is, uh, it's the uh, the part two map with the barn and the the big two story house. Mm-hmm. Is playing as the uh, what's the uh, 
the blonde bimbo character. Tiffany or whatever. Tiffany. Like, yes. You, you ain't gonna catch me. Whatever. Chad chokes me harder. And they're like, <laughs> as Jason's breaking through the door, like, onto the second floor, like, I can fly, bitch, I can tied out the window. Like, I don't care if I survive. I'm just having fucking oh, fun at that point. Like, my God. <laughs> I, I took nothing less, honestly. Oh, God. There is some enjoyment from constantly stomping people. I mean, how many Jasons have has Mikey posted about of making them rage quit? You know, Countless. those are fun. But, <laughs> you know, if you get, like, a, lo- a lobby of, like, you know, nice casual people, sometimes it's just fun to, like, to role play and just, you know, fuck around and just try to have some fun. If the Jason is just constantly doing the generic choke, he'd be like, Cat choke, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I don't know if Chad's choking him. Maybe Bugsy, and he, maybe even Kenny. I don't know if Chad's choking nobody. Chad seems like the kind of guy that, like, I don't know. It's he's like a like he comes real fast, and it's just over quickly. Well, that's obviously coming from somebody who's never experienced an army of battle chads and leopard print thongs coming after him as Jason. <laughs> well. God damn it, man. I don't know. That That's another thing that pisses me off. It's always those mother- Chads that wear that fucking outfit, that, that little Speedo thing, they all have that same fucking dance, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it, it's really funny if, if they're all organized also, because there was one that I almost couldn't take almost couldn't take down the whole group, because they were organized and they were timing their baseball bat swings just right. And it was just constantly like, all right, I'm going to grab this. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to swing. Fuck. 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 And they finally, they finally missed one swing. I teleported away and just started picking them off one at a time. But just the battle chads with their luck and whatnot, that they may not break their weapon. It's just, if they come at you with a baseball bat or a machete, they're going to be there for a while. Yeah, that's always been my thing. When it, If they had, depending on the weapon, if they have a bunch of bats or something like I, I won't slash just because, like, I'll really have to be in a situation where I need to to do Like, if they have, a, you know, a couple people with machetes, I, you best believe I'm slashing the shit out of every one of them. But if they have, you know, uh, bats or what, I'll, I'll just keep grabbing until they eventually break. Like, I will. I'll, I'll at least do that. It's fun to see some of the stuff that the the eclectic part of the community comes up with, like, the Battle Chat Army is one of the weirdest things you'll come up against because you think you're going up against just like a normal lobby and all of a sudden you you chase down one chat and all of a sudden six others jump out of the out of the <laughs> woods and start gangbanging your ass. It's just like, what the hell is happening here? What game am I playing? I know, right? <laughs> what a pain in the ass. I mean, it, it's kind of the same way where it's just all of a sudden where you end up in a lobby where you're basically playing, you know, cross country and it's everybody playing uh, Vanessa and they're all just running away from you. Hey man, don't don't talk shit about them Vanessas. Not his Vanessa. They, don't can't, they can't fix shit. They can't do. They can't do <laughs> shit. Hey, All hey, they hey. do is run away. I can fix shit as Vanessa. Maybe not very well. I can he fix can. shit as Vanessa. I can. No, you got to You got. You got to be. You got to be the nerd guy. You want to. You want to swag on somebody. You, you want to be La Chapa? Yeah. If you want to swag on a Jason, you do it as the fat nerd. <laughs> and you just fucking roll 20s on his ass. I remember I played with this one kid and he loved playing as LaChapa and he goes, LaChapa's a ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. I remember that. LaChapa's a ladies' man. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, my God, he even has he even has the Danny DeVito wrestler skin from uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I love Friday the Thirteenth, man. Yeah, obviously, you know, Matt wasn't able to go into certain things, galities, and all that stuff. You know, we don't expect him to. And uh, Chris, you actually brought to my attention that they did release a statement, you know, kind of updating everybody, and it, it nothing's changed. I don't think anything's going to change. But I, I think the product that they have right now, guys, it isn't. It, look, Ghost, we talked about it. I don't remember when, but recently, it is incredible how you can go on that game at any time, day, night, oh, at all, and get yep. a full lobby. At any moment, you can get on and find a full lobby and play. Multiple full lobbies and play. Especially since Xbox and PlayStation both had free months for the game. It's like, right. there's not a lot of excuse for the majority of people who play regularly on their consoles to not already have the game. So, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be people you can get through. I mean, heck, even when I wasn't playing with my crew, I mean, I could go in, start a lobby, and then post a uh, Xbox Club thing of mm-hmm. looking for group, and the lobby would fill in minutes. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's impressive. We were talking about it because I think we were trying to play Dead by Daylight, and it took us like a half an hour to get into a lobby. Oh yeah, it ha- especially at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really, when I look at it, look at how long it takes to get lobbies, and you need more players than you, you need double the players. You- well, uh, four or five, almost, almost double. double the players to get a lobby on Dead by Daylight than f- opposed to Friday. You know, it that is fucking impressive. Like how mm-hmm. how more popular is Dead by Daylight really? Because as far as player count, from what I see, I don't know. I would say. In some ways, Dead by Daylight survives because of how popular it is with streaming, uh, so the content creators go, just because they always have something fresh, fresh to show. And it's a mix of that and their licensed killers. Mm-hmm. That's really all they got. But yeah, I mean, it's they're not the licensed killers. While they're cool, don't have the same heart that Friday the Thirteenth the game had because. Nope. Dead by Daylight just feels, you know, like a game where they're throwing in, you know, it's the Super Smash Brothers of right. asymmetrical horror. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Friday the 13th was ri- was seemingly developed as a love letter to the series that they wanted to stay true to everything. They got all the right kills. They got all the right counselor types. They got the killers. They got, you know, they got Kane Hodder to do the mocap for mm. Jason's kills. I mean, it, it's, they went a lot of ways. To try to make it, they did everything mm-hmm. that you would want in a Friday the Thirteenth game, and for what we got, I will never complain. You know, as far as like Kickstarters go, like yeah. this and this and Bloodstained Curse of the Moon were the first two things I ever actually kickstarted, and I will I will never complain about you know me going it all in on on this game. Yeah, not at all. Mm-mm. Not what they were able to pull off for a Kickstarter game, man. It, I've never seen anything like that. That output's incredible. Amazing. Incredible. But I think that's it for this one, guys. I mean, we, we got our fucking gaming talk in. Great fucking conversation with, with Matt Shacha. Friday the 13th, my favorite game. Yeah, so go check us out on Twitter at Slash Radio. Check out our website where Chris is regularly posting articles with Demonic, demonic Taint hidden and buried somewhere if not out in the open it's slasherradio.com I'm at Mikey's Dead Mr. Christopher, where are you on Twitter? I'm at IRChris and constantly posting as IRChris 
slasherradio.com. Shitposting. Can we call it shitposting? <laughs> I think you should. Hey, if it's shitposting, man, you seem to promote it a whole lot. I love your shitposting. Yeah, I didn't say it was bad. <laughs> I just said it was shitposting. No, that's more Twitter. Not on the web. It is. You shitpost on Twitter a lot. Uh, but Ghost, where are they finding you? Get your handle right this time. Uh, listen, I'll get it right. It's Ghost with a zero underscore J. Okay. Okay. And, Got it right. And don't forget about this horror life. It, oh yeah. Did you add the caps yet? D- yeah. Hold on. What? Don't, don't you hold on me. You did. Oh wow, you did it for the handle too. Holy shit. I did. Wow. I did. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Give me some props because I fixed it. You fixed All it. Right. All right, you're official I now. Did. I did. So yeah, go check out At This Horror Life on Twitter. They are on iTunes and Spotify and all that other shit along with us. And don't forget to go get your dollar for emailing thishorrorlife at gmail.com and calling Rob a cuck. I got my dollar. You get yours too. And good night from Slasher Radio. All the best with Slasher Radio Podcast. Oh my god. Why does my head still hurt? I don't know. Take some medicine. Oh my god. Because you're getting old, man. Dude. Welcome to the party. Dude. Oh my god, don't tell him you're getting old. I am getting old. We were playing basketball oh in the pool yesterday, and my uncle's fiance's son, he's 18. Dude, me and my friend looked at each other. He's the same age as me. I'm turning 31. Dude, we looked at each other like about a little more than halfway through the game, and this kid's fucking ready to go. Ain't nothing bothering him. We're fucking practically gasping. We're like, holy shit. What happened? Yeah, once he passed the 30s, like... Stop. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 38. Like, let me tell you, those hangovers take a lot longer to get through. Bro, I was just saying, I'm like, I woke up today, I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, I used to be able to do that and ready to do it again the next day. I don't even want to think of vodka today. Like, fuck, I... I'm, I went through a damn near a whole bottle of Hennessy, Chris. They're big bottles. And I don't even do the hard liquors anymore. I mean, even still, like, I go through, like, a 12 or 16 pack of beer, and it's just, like, the next day, it's just, like, I wake up, and it's 3 in the afternoon, and I feel like hell, and it's just, like, like, shit, I don't even want to think about drinking Saturday. Oh, my God. We gotta have our Freddy vs. Jason argument one day. Oh, jeez. If you want to do Freddy vs. Jason as an episode, you and me can fucking hash it out right then. <laughs> oh, uh, just so you know, Bobby was shit-talking Jason uh, last week when we... I forget which article you... which Oh, the uh, Friday the 13th box set. So he, he was shit-talking Jason on the tail end of that.
So you're saying I'm going to have to pay the Oompa Loompas to <laughs> him again? <laughs> wow. I said that. I'm like, dude, not only did you shit talk Jason, you did it on an IR Chris fucking art going, he's going to be pissed. That son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he fucked up too. I'd, I'd go and whoop his ass personally, but he's in Florida and I don't want anywhere near that. <laughs> he knew Even he... if I have my hazmat suit on. He knew he fucked up too because he's like, oh, Chris is going to be mad now. <laughs> he knew he fucked up. <laughs> That's on the creeps. That's on the creeps review, mm. or the one before it. No, that was the one that came out today. The um... the creeps review. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna have to, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to fissure Bobby's ass on that one. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, I'm glad it's his ass and not mine. Although I did slander. Oh, I gave it to Kane Hotter. Good. Oh yeah, you might be mad at me. I got him with a good zinger. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. So not only am he I doesn't want to give to... him anything. So motherfucker, not only am I going to have to go to Florida and bury a body in the swamp, <laughs> I'm going to have to go to New York and bury something in the East River also. Oh, the East oh, River. We know God. about the goddamn. He knows about the East River. Oh. Holy shit. Motherfucker, my family grew up in New York oh my before God. I was even born. Oh, Back oh, in the no. day, they used to get sodas from the goddamn mafia. You better know I know about the East River, you son of a I, bitch. I, God damn. I might end up in Lake Michigan. Gotta go to fucking Michigan now. <laughs> now, damn. now, Ghost. Now, Ghost, I'm gonna put you in Erie and light that bitch on fire again. Oh. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Chris is gonna rack up so many fucking fire miles just for whooping ass. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Ass whooping fire miles. Motherfucker, and I'm gonna be doing it all first class. Oh wow! Oh wow! Damn. He got money, money. God damn! Okay, I got them miles. <laughs> them ass whooping miles. If I'm coming for that ass, I'm doing it in comfort. I'm gonna do it in my fuzzy bunny slippers. I forget. You're just gonna look out. I'm gonna go look like a big six foot six tall Daniel Radcliffe in a in a fucking robe and oh bunny God, slippers stop. coming for your ass. Oh my stop. God! I'm trying to think about what I oh. Uh, Bobby always makes fun of Kane Hodder for in Hatchet, like that scene where he was fucking, and like he makes fun of him because he said his stroke was all fucked up and Kane Hodder don't know how to fuck. And we were talking about Freddy vs. Jason and how, you know, Robert England was fucking that dead counselor in that scene. And, uh, we, I said, he said something about how Kane Hodder, you know, he could learn how to fuck from Freddy or something like that. And, I was like, well, yeah, he'd be able to watch it because he wasn't in the movie. Bam! Fucking got him. Come on, oh, you Chris. Mean, That's you, mean Robert England's one, you mean Robert England's one-inch pump? Hey, man. He may have a fucking needle, but he fucks like a sewing machine. You motherfucker. <laughs> one, of these day, one of these days, one of these days, we're going to have to do a meetup. Oh, God. And I'm just going to start be busting lips. Oh, my God. He's going to beat everybody's ass. Holy shit. I'm See, scared. I'm down with that, because I also say constantly that I'm going to fight Mike, so... Yeah, everybody wants to fight me. What Can I, I fight him first? No. Well, <laughs> you, you... Well, see, here's the thing, Ghost. Ever since I've been part of, part of Slasher's Radio's community, like, even Dismay was wanting to fight me back in the day. Oh, See, I don't want to fight like, you. I just want to fight Mike. And I'm like, I'm like, bitch, I'm going to be at PAX South. I'm going to be here at this date and time. Come and meet me in San Antonio. And she fucking bailed on me. She ain't going to do nothing. Oh, no, I'll meet up with you. But I, I'm not going to want to fight you because that's not fair. Do you want to fight me? Yeah. 
That's fine. No, That's some bullshit. I'm, I'm being I'm be a much gonna, more I'm fair gonna, I'm just going to shave you for potato peeler and then give you a nice lemon aftershave. Oh. Until you admit that Jason's the better killer. <laughs> You're going to need a lot of lemons, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. You have no idea my commitment on that. And I'm talking a full body. I'll even go between them butt cheeks and get that hairy oh. ass shave. Oh, you're going to lemon my crack? Yeah. Lemon, the crack, the taint, the gooch. The demonic oh, In taint? between the toes. Oh, my God. I'm scared. Like, Saw is considered the... Saw is considered the PG-13 version of my fantasy. Oh, fuck me. On that note, I'm fucking going to bed. I'm scared <laughs> now. I'm not wanting <laughs> nothing to do with that. Oh my god, John Saxon passed away. Yeah, there was that. There was that. There was Regis Philbin. I mean, there was like four or five recently, like this weekend. Yeah, like uh, people thought that, you know, the Grim Reaper was passing over celebrities this year, but no, July just had to rear its uh, ugly mouth. Yeah. Yeah, god damn, that sucks, man. Which, uh, mm-hmm. damn, which Nightmare on Elm Street was he in? Um, he was in like three of them, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in part one and New Nightmare, right? Right, he was Nancy's father. He was in another one, though, wasn't he? Or am I crazy? Was he? No, I thought he was in more than I thought he was in like three. Well, I got he was only in the ones with Nancy, as far as I remember. Yeah. But... IMDb. Let I don't see. think he appeared in. I don't think he appeared in three and four. Right here, Nightmare on Elm Street one, three, and New Nightmare. Was he in three? Yeah. According the, to this, he was. At the at the junkyard. What? Oh no, that was. Goddamn, I'm confusing them. That was. Fuck me. Three. What? Three was New Warriors with uh. With uh, him. I uh, oh, is him pouring the holy water on Freddy's skeleton. Yes, 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 yeah, right, yeah. And that's when he died, right? That was the last you ever saw of him in the series, because I think he was more or less mortally wounded at that point. Yeah, but then he was a new nightmare as, you know, himself. It, it was him as himself, but as the nightmare world started encroaching on reality, he started becoming Nancy's father again. Okay, yeah. Jesus Christ. That sucks. What a shame. 88 years old. <laughs> Well, that and I mean, I remember him from like Enter the Dragon and whatnot. Like, the dude has had a career that spanned genres and generations. And right. It's it's definitely a loss. I mean, you throw that on top of like Regis Philbin, who's basically Ugh. been a television icon for decades. Right. Like, it's just like 2020. Can can we just pause for like 30 days or so? Like, give us a. It's like a. It's like. What was it, 2018, when, like, Lenny, Bowie, and, every, like, all, oh like, the God. major music celebrities all, were all, like, dropping, like, flies? It's like, like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. 